Hey there, party people. Did you know that Encounter Party is now an official Dungeons & Dragons television show? You can find our second campaign on the Dungeons & Dragons Adventures channel, available now on Plex and Freebie. We have new episodes every Tuesday night at 9pm, and the show is available on demand next day on Plex. For links and to learn more, head on over to our website at EncounterParty.com. Now, please enjoy this episode of Campaign 1 of Encounter Party. Warning, this episode features very strong language and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Last time on Encounter Party! Through separate investigations, our players gained a deeper understanding of the deception within the conspiracy. After comparing notes, our players descended into the ancient Undercity... Following the wandering corpse of Mixel, they navigated a long-forgotten part of Ravnica. But how likely is it that they're alone in the dark? Find out this week on Encounter Party! Wary of your pursuers, you snuff out your torches to remain unseen, only to realize it was the fire keeping them at bay. And the moment the light disappears, you hear a fury of skittering. Roll initiative. Yeah, I thought it was keeping them away from us. No! I thought maybe they were afraid of light and not come close. (laughs) 21. 15. 15. The Dalkin Buddies, man. <laughs> Are you warming up to Zenia finally? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Above a 10? Um, 11. Warming up to Landry. Six. Yeah, gotcha. Last. <laughs> <laughs> so as the light snuffs out, you hear a large amount of skittering, unlike anything you've heard before, as an indeterminate amount of subterranean creatures begin descending upon you. Top of the order. Solorin. Do I hear skittering above me? Yes. I will strike above me and hopefully hit something. Disadvantage, please. 23 to hit. Yeah, you connect with something squishy. Eight piercing damage. I get an extra attack, so I'm also going to hit it again. 19 both times. Yeah, whatever you hit, it ain't getting back up again. Xenia, you're up. Xenia puts her thumbs together and throws them upward, shooting flames from her fingertips at the ceiling in a 15-foot cone. Anything inside that must make a dexterity saving throw. As you point ceilingward and illuminate the room, you guys see the walls are flooded with tons of tiny creepy, crawly, monstrous crab-like things. Unlike anything, Lorzach, Perix, these are long-forgotten creatures from who knows where, and they're all about to get lit on fire. One rolls a natural 20, the other five. I rolled a four, five, five, six. Or uh, four of them fail, one of them succeeds, probably because he's like using the other ones as shields. Every creature that fails takes seven points of fire damage, and the one who saves takes three points. Got it. Uh, Only the one that saved is still remaining. The other ones fall to your feet in a charred crisp. Ew. Perix. With dark vision looking around, is there anything... Are they only coming from up top, or are they coming from all directions? They're coming from all directions. Perix looks at two that he can see within 60 feet of himself and uh, uh, kind of conjures up this, this bubbling gross, viscous substance with his hands and throws an acid splash in their direction. Would they please make a dexterity saving throw? Fail. They will both take nine points of acid damage. And they melt before your very eye. Ooh. Lorzach. Lorzach casts his gaze around and finds a clutch of these things swarming on their location casts out an empty hand, and flings an ice knife at the ones he can see. 
for a 15 to hit. Yes. The first one takes six piercing damage. And just when these things think it's over, the ice knife explodes. And all things within five feet of that creature must make a dexterity saving throw. <laughs> I'll, do a, I'll do a big mass. Nope. The ones that fail take four cold damage. Ah, they have very few hit points, and all of the surrounding crustaceans are flash frozen for easy transport and purchase and storage later. Scrumptious. Vicara. I will go ahead and slash at the nearest what I think is crab thing. For both hits. Yes. For six bludgeoning. Yes, you squash two of them. Splat, splat. Crushing them for easy crab cake preparation at a future date. Bonus action, I will smack another one. For a nat 20. Yeah! And a pate follow-up. For 12 total damage. Oh, you're on D8s now, aren't you? I am. Uh, Okay. Within seconds, these things begin to swarm and then... Fire and ice and maces and hammers and whatever Perix does. And uh, these these unintelligent beings immediately sense danger and scurry back off into the hovels. I will take a perception check for anyone with dark vision. 28. 19. You both notice that out of the numerous exits that you could leave, the creatures have fled down three out of the five, none of which are the one you entered. So that leaves only one. Well, well. one that might be too dangerous for them. Or might, sur- yeah, might be blocked. If Mix Or is the way to go. Oh. <laughs> Listen to Sarah when she has thoughts. Yep. <laughs> if Mixel had this green glow about him as he was going, we can it's suffice it to say it's probably the thing that stopped these things from eating his corpse. Let's not dismiss Frank unless we meet a group consensus, please. I mean, maybe if you change your tone, Frank would like to hang out with you more. Um, does Lorzach explain or do you tell the group which pan, um, tunnels these things go down? Oh, sure. He'll relay to the party where these things have fled. So Lauren will take three torches from his adventuring kit, light them, and then place them at the mouth of each of those passageways to cover them. Keep them in there so they don't follow us. Subtract three torches from your inventory. Perix took copious notes as they skittered away. He intends to use this knowledge later. Possibly the path due west might be a cool place to go. Let's go that way. Heading west. Zenia does bring back Frank, but asks him to stay further back away from Salorn just to be a dick. But not because Salorn told her to. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You progress forward a short distance before you enter another junction to your right or to your left. Wright's been doing okay recently. It's been doing okay. I'm just going to ask Sarah what she thinks we should do in this scenario. Um... I think going right seems like a good idea. Right it is? Right it is. We're gonna go right? All right. to the right. (laughs) And you go north for a time until you encounter an abnormally congested area where there seems to be a large amount of stalactites and stalagmites that have accumulated because of a fair amount of wet environment. It is, although a unique area does seem to be a dead end. Oh. Uh, Double on back to the last and head left? Yeah. That would seem to be the wisest course of action. You double on back to the left. Uh, As you continue to progress down to the left, you enter another decidedly large chamber that has one entrance out to the southwest. Before we move into the chamber, could I take a perception to see if there's anything in there? Sure. Thanks. I don't like walking into chambers. With a seven, I, uh, with an 11, I feel like I'm not doing very much easier. Seems empty. Uh, Lorzach approaches the exit to this chamber. You approach an exit. Well, I think we should be on our way. Yes. Sounds good. I concur. You continue down that pathway. 
as it continues down to the southwest, and you encounter what appears to be another dead end. Oh. Oh, interesting. This one does not seem to be unique in any regard. It is just the tunnel stops. <sighs> well, if we go back to the big crab room... There were more exits out of there. So Lauren thinks back to what Eustace Stumpfoot said about an ancient area, possibly underground, and he pulls out the map fragments and hands them to the members of his party. I'm not sure what that is. It looks like a bridge, maybe? I've got a room with a bunch of bones. Great. Landry's got some stalagmites and tights. Seems like potentially we go back to that area that seemed blocked off, potentially, and search for a hidden... So then, looking at the map fragment, can uh, can Perix discern any windy, weird wraparound path around some of these mites and tights? Let's do some investigations. Zenny gets a 28. 17. 12. Ooh, 15. 13. Zenia, with the clutch come through. Yeah and her naturally quizzical nature notices that with some squeezing, perhaps sending Frank through some areas, uh, with, uh, with some squeezing, there seems to be an area that perhaps centuries ago was a natural pathway that has been blocked off over aeons of stalactite and mite accumulation. But you do have the possibility to press forward. And Zenia relays that information and says, I think we've got to make our way this way. I will need dexterity checks to see whether or not you can physically pass. 22. 17. 15. 19. 18. Vakara. Yeah. Oh. As everyone begins snaking their way through, squeezing between these pillars, your big bovine frame can do nothing except knock a few of them loose, and you get stabbed for five piercing damage Ow. as you poke yourself on the way through. Rude. Some classic 1980s D&D adventure here. <laughs> I'm having a great time. So, as you guys exit this uh, rock garden type area, the path continues north and immediately horseshoes to the right down into another empty chamber. Perception checks. Oh. That'll work. Yeah. <laughs> 23. 16. Me too. 15. You take a minute to realize as you stretch off into the distance that there is an exit directly across from you out to the east. Let's go. Off we head to the east. Perix, make a dexterity check right ah, damn now. shit. A 20, not natural. Ho ho, Siloran, make a dexterity check right now. Seven. Ho ho, you feel the ground crumble beneath your feet, and the asshole Perix leaps ahead, causing you to fall into the danger as you land in a small crevice and cut your knees on some spikes, spiky rocks, and take six piercing damage. Suck it. As he f falls, he just yells, Frog! <laughs> I mean, you fall like three feet. <laughs> but he still does it with his voice. <laughs> very dramatic. <laughs> Ow. So dramatic all the time. <laughs> As you peel yourselves up and continue forward, you do feel a slight incline. <sighs> As things hook back to the north, and you enter into what appears to be an infinitely large chamber. Sound does not reverberate back into you. Your dark vision cannot see far enough to see anything on the other side. Or on the walls. Um, as you look to the right or left, you can see walls and a drop-off mm. and realize that you are very likely at the edge of a cliff face. Got yeah. it. So Lauren draws out the piece of map fragment that details a drop-off, some distance, and then another part of the room across from this pitfall with a entryway on the other side. 
no annotations of any sort to indicate how wide that gap may be. The DM shakes his head no. If I send Frank forward, do I see anything? What is the range of Frank? 120 feet. No. Oh. Mm. Yikes. Moving forward gingerly, keeping an eye on his feet, since with dark vision he can at least see when the ground would fall, Perix will slowly inch forward, looking to see if he can find where the drop-off begins. Um, at your feet. Great. There's about 15 feet of, uh, of you know, ledge. Got it. And then nothing on the far side. Um, is there That any... you can visibly see. Sure. Is there any gravel? I mean, there's, like, loose rocks and stuff all over the place. Like, there's dirt. And... Perix kicks a rock over the edge to see how deep it goes. Perception check. 21. You hear a splash. Oh. How long roughly did it take to hit? Is it a long fall? Survivable. Copy. So 100, <laughs> 160 feet. <laughs> Can I take, like, Picaro would like to take a handful of dirt or gravel or whatever and just splash it across to see if there's any sort of crossing that we can't see. This is not Indiana Jones. You throw a handful of gravel into the water down below. I had to check. I agree with the check. So it seems we can either climb down or uh, test and see how wide this ravine is. Can he see to the other side with 120 feet of dark vision? Wow. No. All right. So there's no chance in hell of any of us vaulting over this no. or anything like that. But maybe that. we are supposed to go down. Maybe there's something beneath us on the cliff face, potentially like a ledge below us with a cliff that, with a with a path that goes back the other way. Perix looks down. Does he see a ledge? No. Okay. Um. I mean, with 120 dark vision, you look down and you can see what is likely the shimmering of water. Got it. With Frank, am I and with Frank, if I investigate the walls to either side, do I find anything? Um. This looks to be a chamber that is longer than 120 feet, wider than 120 feet, and much, much, much deeper than 120 feet. However, less than 120 feet below you, there seems to be a large body of deep black water. I feel like potentially having a climber see what the cliff face is like could be interesting. Salorn looks at Fakara. Oh, yeah. No. You fall. I'll do it. And he, ah. he nods. <laughs> Just push him over. <laughs> so we're going to rig up a rope and see how far down we can climb here? Yeah. Yeah. See if you see anything on the, the cliff face. How far is your rope? 50 feet. I feel like we use the fancy rope. We the one that can give us advantage on climbing checks. We also have a collection of ropes that we can loop together. Yes. But one of them gives us advantage, and the other ones are just rope. Athletics? I'm sorry. We are using magic One rope. Magic rope to climb down the, the cliff Dropping face. it down 50 feet, and Fakara is going to shimmy down to see what she to can see. To see if she can see anything on the wall of the cliff face. I need a climbing check at advantage because it's the magic rope. Okay. So athletics? Yeah. That will be an el- a 12. As Fakara begins descending down the cliff face, you very quickly realize that the walls are slick and wet from all of the water and condensation that's down here and you lose your grip and you plummet and fall into the black and you guys hear Fakara scream ah! and then you hear a very large splash I'm okay Perix will jump in after her, after climbing down rope a little bit acrobatics it's actually not terrible just doing a cannonball Thirteen. All right. <laughs> you take no belly flop damage. <laughs> and as you splash and land into the water, you realize you have disturbed something. Uh-uh. As long, white tentacles begin peeling out of the water, 
Roll initiative. Nope. Nope. Come on. Damn. Sure. For the three of you still topside on the cliff face, you can hear a large amount of splashing and thrashing as your companions down in the water begin screaming war chants. Top of the order, Saloran, something is going down. Saloran hung by the entryway of this room, so he rushes to the edge of the cliff face and stares down. Can I tell how far down they are? Lower than your rope. Am I gonna do this? Only you can answer that question. You are insane. I know, but that also means that I'm my own projectile. I don't have the strength to carry you back up. I do. So Lauren just thinks, God damn you, and jumps into the water with the full weight of his plate armor, shield, and Orzov Morningstar. Acrobatics check with disadvantage. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Ten. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Lord belly flops so hard. You go plummeting into the dark water, completely disorienting yourself and partially drowning. I'll see you on your next initiative order round to see whether or not you can even figure out where you are. Perix, <laughs> you <As> look <laughs> with your dark vision and see some long forgotten giant cephalopod writhing out of the darkness who looks like it just found its next meal. You hate to see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how far away is the closest part of it to me? You! Ah, shit! <laughs> uh, which is what Perix says, but a little muffled by water. <laughs> and uh, Perix will allow um, the water around him to bubble and boil and superheat what is directly in front of him and fire, as long as it doesn't hit Fakara Saloran, a 15-foot cone of burning hands. Dexterity saving throw from the abominable horror. Fakara, make a dexterity saving throw, please. Yeah. 17. It rolls a natural one, as there is literally nowhere for it to go. The horror will take 15 points of fire damage. Cool. Fakara will take seven. <laughs> As she chokes slightly. Just a little bit. Drowning on the water. Florzatch, you see a brief flash of some shit down there, and Solorin <laughs> cannonballed into the abyss. Florzatch trains an empty hand on this wriggling white tentacle in the distance and shoots out a chill touch for a 16 to hit. 16 hits. Hey. It's quite big. In fact, it might just very well be huge. Yeah, sure. For eight necrotic damage. Roger, dodger. Massive white cephalopod tentacles swing wildly at Fikara and Perix. Fikara will be a 22. Perix will be a 20. Uh, Perix will do that good, good thing where shield comes up in front of him and it's mostly just like he turns the water a little more solid and deflects the tentacle up and away from him. Fakara, you will take eight bludgeoning damage. Uh, Would you please make an opposing strength check? Ten. It rolls a nine. (laughs) (laughs) As you can tell, it is trying to wrap itself around you. Mm -hmm. No! Fakara, you're now up. I will hit the cephalopod with my warhammers. Uh, that's going to be a 14 and an 18. Both hit. Hooray! Uh, one will be eight, and the other will be four. Got it. And then I'll take a bonus action to hit again for 23. Hits. Yay! For a nine. Yep. Xenia. Because this creature is so gigantic, there must be a spot on it that I can cast something that has a 20-foot radius that would not hit my compatriots, yes? Uh, two things. One, do you have dark vision? I don't. Two, much of it is obscured below water. Sure. Okay, so I can't... Tell me what I can see. You can... Well, you don't have dark vision. 
so I can't see anything. You see pitch black and hear a whole bunch of thrashing around. Even if I send Frank down a little bit, halfway, let's say. You can, but what does that require out of your action to do? Because I suspect that is your turn. Um, well, I mean, he's been around. He's at will. He's concentration. As a bonus action, I can move him up to 60 feet to a new spot within range. Sure. So, as a bonus action, I move him 60 feet down the cliff. Okay. 60 feet is not completely to the bottom. What is his light radius? 10 foot. The water line is still out of range of Frank's visibility. Xenia starts to climb down the rope. Fire and spells from the side of a cliff? I'll take a strength check, please. Do I get advantage because it's magical? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Four. (laughs) No. What? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately for you, what you have strapped around your shoulders is a giant air bubble. So not only do you hit the water, but then you're immediately stopped on top of the water. Ow. Yeah. We'll take four bludgeoning damage as you hit hard. All right. Lorzach watches everyone dive (laughs) (laughs) alone at the top of a cliff. You fools. Salorian, top of the round. Hey, let's uh, let's make a perception check to see whether or not you can even do anything. 19. You have managed to orient yourself. However, it will require an action for you to stabilize and return to the surface of the water. So Lauren will take a moment to orient himself and just think, and then swim to break the surface of the water. Perix. Perix will uh, rotate his froggy body around a little bit and maybe swim to the side, trying to clear some paths, see what's going on, uh, and then will conjure another boiling section of water, this one much more focused, and launch Firebolt at the uh, horror for a 27 to hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the horror will take 13 points of fire damage. Never said it was a horror. I'm calling it a horror because I'm horrified. That would make it a horror fire, not a horror. Lord's at horror. Horror. So if he's able to hit it with a chill touch, do we feel like he would be able to hit it with a spell that has maybe half the range of that? Is it within 60 feet of him? No. Got it. Lozach takes aim and launches yet another skeletal hand for an 18 to hit. An 18 hits. And the spectral hand will deal four necrotic damage. (laughs) Rolling hot today. (laughs) It's now the monster's turn. Saloran, Perix, Fekara. You realize there are numerous tentacles, and you will all get attacked. Perix, you'll get a natural one. Hey! Fekara, you will get a 20. Saloran, you will receive a 23. Fakara, you will take four bludgeoning damage. Saloran, you will take five bludgeoning damage. Fakara and Saloran, please make opposing strength checks. 19. 12. Saloran, you manage, even though you get hit, to batter away the tentacle. Fakara, unfortunately for you, this white limb swirls itself around, grappling you, and begins pulling you underwater. Every turn that you are grappled counts towards a turn of drowning. What is your constitution modifier? Two. If you are grappled for more than three rounds, you will drown and die if you can't break out. But at the end of each of your turns, you can make an opposing strength check to try and free yourself. It is now your turn. What is now my turn? Um, so can I still attack or do I just- Yes, you're only grappled. Okay, so I will beat the hell out of this guy with my maces. Hell yeah. Uh, with a 22 and an 11. The 22, yes. Okay, so 22, so 13 bludgeoning damage, and then bonus action to hit again. For a 17? Yes, that will hit. Okay. Uh, for 10 bludgeoning? 
Yep. And then strength check to get out. Opposing strength check, please. Oh, that's going to be a 25. 22. Yeah, broken free. Yes. Xenia, I need a perception check to see if you can orient yourself. Seven. You spend the round thrashing about, unsure of which way is up. Great. Top of the round, Saloran. Saloran is going to rear back with his morning star and lay into this creature. You are wearing full plate in the dank dark. Your attacks have disadvantage. Nice alliteration. I rolled an 18 and an 8. Well, does a 16 hit? Yes. <laughs> he will channel a divine smite using a second level spell slot. That is eight piercing damage, plus 18 radiant damage. Goes in for a second attack. For a 10. 10 misses. Oof. Barracks. Wait. He will also use a bonus action to summon a spiritual weapon underneath this creature and strike from there. Whoa. 25 to hit. Yes. Seven force damage. Perhaps it is the attack from below. But whatever this long-forgotten monstrosity is has made the decision that this meal ain't worth it and relinquishes its hold on anyone it is grappling, slinking back into the depths of the murky deep. You're out of combat. Perix, as it tries to swim away, not tries, it swims away. I'm not going to try and hold on to it. Uh, Wait. Perix pulls. Uh, What's but, your name? But, <laughs> but Perix, Will I ever see you again? <laughs> You want to be my friend? Perix does try to make some kind of an investigation or perception check to see if maybe the white tentacle would match the white fuzz that we found up top. No, this is some ancient creature. Great. Nope. And now we're just swimming. And uh, Perix decides maybe he should strike out a bit and see what we can find. Yeah. Xenia casts Frank again to swim alongside her. Uh, A quick search around lets you realize that about another... 200 yards or so uh, looks to be a very, very shallow shore. Uh, Perix will shout back, uh, we gotta go swimming. Lorzach, come on in. Saloran also says, don't forget my rope. Uh, Lorzach will unknot the rope and coil it up around his shoulder and take a deep breath and say, I hate this and jump. (laughs) Acrobatics. Uh, 16. And in uh, splendid fashion, when no one can see him, as is true, the hidden artistic performant nature of Lorzach, he does a beautiful one and a half twist that the world will never get to enjoy and plunges quietly with nothing less than an 8.3 into the depth. That Russian judge is hard to hard to. The Russian ones are yeah, hard yeah, to impress. Yeah, yeah, they're really hard to get. They're, they're hard they're just to so impress. You can't get above a five. Yeah, it's yeah, really, just really very exacting standards. <laughs> <laughs> and the party is in the water. Yes, I need. You get your rope back. Um, you are partly amphibious. You are partly amphibious. Yeah. I need Constitution checks from the other three. Fourteen. Twelve. Four. <laughs> oh, no. Boy, swimming through the dark in full plate just sucks. You got a level of exhaustion, buddy. Mm. Boy. You make it to what... Um, Lorzach, your passive perception is, like, stupid now, isn't it? It is 19. Give me a perception check. Uh, that is a 25. Because you were the one on the cliff... Because you're the one who stayed up and kind of got a, a, a sizable concern about everything, um, you realize that from you jumping off the cliff into the water and then swimming in the direction Perix wants you to swim, it's pretty much a straight shot continuing what we will consider north. You are now on an empty shore. Which reminds Lorzach of something he saw in those map fragments... And he notes a little zigzag path marked down on the one fragment that Saloran had showed the party earlier and surveys the empty shore around them now. Using the map, it might suggest that there is 
some paths or outcrops that could be scaled safely to return up to the previous elevation. And with that reference in mind, Lorzech will help the party try and scale this uh, slightly less sheer cliff face. Um, yeah, this path had been plotted out by somebody that there's just some, you can kind of zigzag your way kind of up this, this weird cliff face by playing your feet, hugging the wall. I think Xenia missteps just slightly and about to drop, and then Fakara just reaches out a meaty hand and grabs her by the strap and just, I got you, kid. That's my Fakara impression, by the way. It's a, <laughs> it's a weird impression. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, Xenia. Don't worry. Thanks, bro. As you proceed up, eventually you duck back into what would be considered a tunnel that continues to hook up and around to the west. And about the point you feel like you would reach a comparable elevation, you are hit with a junction. To the right, the tunnel continues farther in. To the left, there appears to be an immediate entryway. Perix will carefully wander towards the entryway and try and peer inside with dark vision. As you peer through the entryway, you can see what looks to be a cliff face very similar to where you just plunged off of. And as you try and see out into the darkness, you realize there seems to be no opposite end. Perix relays that back to the group and thinks maybe we shouldn't go that way. So it looks like we are going right. As you have made the decision to go right, you now realize, ah, I think we've reached the other side of that crevasse. Yes. You continue to progress north. Lorzach, your passive perception is high enough to sense movement, a large amount of movement. And you continue to progress for about another 10 minutes of walking. When you begin to see some faint green glowing up ahead. Lorzach is going to encourage the party to approach quietly as he tries to gain some sort of perspective on what this faint, sickly green glow is ahead of them. Stealth checks, please. 19. Yeah, except I'm at disadvantage, so that's a nine. 16. 14. 15. The closer you approach, the more you begin to realize that stealth in this immediate section doesn't seem to even be hardly necessary. Because whatever is going on in here is going to drone out any outside sound. There is a lot of shuffling and a fair amount of moaning. And as you peer around an outcrop, what you can see looks to be a fairly large cavern that is sort of a, a network, almost a honeycomb, but I'm not going to say it's a honeycomb. But it's not just an empty chamber. It is full of, you know, obstructions and stalactites and mites that are making everything sort of difficult terrain. And Lorzach, as the man up in front, you can spot the corpse of Mixel as it joins up with several other undead corpses. The undead corpses absorb the light off of Mixel, extinguishing it. And everyone behind Lorzach suddenly sees this green light go out. And you see these other zombies seemingly breathe onto Mixel as a white fungal fuzz begins to take root around his trachea and his eyes. And the once still seemingly proud poise of the body of Mixel goes even more lax as its undead mouth drapes open, and he begins shuffling down an obscured pathway of which you can see several other corpses begin to travel. And now, a quick word from one of our sponsors. You know, folks, blank walls can be pretty boring. So why not spruce up your home or office by heading over to ukiyopop.com. They have a collection of traditional Japanese prints inspired by today's comics, games, and movies. The gallery is viewable online for free and prints are available for purchase. So head over to ukiyopop.com. 
That's ukiyo-pop.com. Tradition in a modern method. And now, back to the party. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So there are a lot of passages out of this chamber. Um, from your immediate area, there really is only one smart choice. There are several passes out, but that would require an immediate confrontation with whatever is in here, and also would require some very creative elevation scaling over very difficult terrain. You are above whatever is happening in the same way that you would look at like, uh, you know, like an old observation or operation theater. There is a way off to your left that you can continue on what you're going, but you seem to have gotten what may be considered uh, sort of a weird stop in a processing station. You have witnessed the corpse of Mixel being gifted this fuzz and then sent on his way. Does Lord Zanch recognize any of the ritual activity that's involved here between the transference of green light and the gifting of some sort of fungal... No, nothing. No. All right. But I tell you what, the other corpses down there are also Devkar in. Lorzach whispers back to the party, We may have just found where the rest of the corpses go. And he will encourage the party to head to the left and try and take this passageway. Eric's follows. You skitter off to the west for a decent amount of time. Another confusingly long distance of walking through the darkness as Lorzach has or has not communicated what he saw yet. Uh, He's mentioned that there's a, a swarm of zombies and Mixel now is among them. After some time, you approach another junction to the left or to the right. Lorzach, perception check, please. 27. As you look to the right, you notice what might be some bones lying in the tunnel. Lorzach is going to check out these bones. What's up with these bones? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, Humanoid? Yeah, you got got medicine? Yeah. Uh, Probably should wrangle in some assistance from your other guy who I would consider as far more... Uh, experty on non-humanoid bones. You uh, may want to examine these. Perix gets excited by bones. Or somebody with advantage. One of the two of you with advantage. Go ahead, I man. got it. Perix gets excited by bones. Bones! Shoves past Lorzatch to examine. Yes, the amphibian is really excited about bones. 27. Great. None of these are human bones. Oh. There's a lot of bones. Humanoid bones, right? Bipedal bones. Things with skulls, spines, you know. These are vertebrates, but nothing down here is human from the small collection you can see. However, that collection continues to grow as you look off in front of you. And how uh, long would we guess those bones have been here? Is that a guess we could make? Mm, That would require archaeology. Sure. I relay that we have non-human but humanoid bones that appear to have uh, a growing collection as we go into the tunnel. Lorzach is pretty familiar with what elven bones look like. Not He's... elven bones either. Interesting. Okay. Vidalcan bones? Do Vidalcan have bones? No. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No bones you've ever experienced before. Bones of s- numerous unknown creatures and or people. Copy. In fact, finding a bone that looks like it is similar to another bone is very curious. Given that we have a map fragment that appears to show some bonage, it would seem likely to me that we should uh, check out this pathway. That is very curious verbiage, Perix. I'm sorry, boniage. I don't know if that's better, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) This image looks like there's a series of bones making an arrow pointing to the right cavern. Are we going into the bone room? Yes. How is that better? 
I don't know, Zinnia and Frank go. <laughs> Zinnia's down. Zinnia's making a fucking choice and going into the bone room. <laughs> are we in? Are I can't we... say bonage, but we can say the bone room <laughs> multiple times. Are we, I are, touch myself. Are we? Uh, <laughs> are we in the same marching order? Yeah. Groovy. As you guys approach, can I get a dexterity check from everybody? Fifteen. Thirteen. Eleven. Fourteen. Four. You all fall to the floor as a very large tremor shakes the entire cavern. You motherfucker. So maybe next time we don't follow what Xenia wants to do. Just noted. And it takes you half a second to pick yourself up off the floor. And you realize the next time you're going to want to move forward... You got about half uh, speed. Oh, I am so sorry, everyone. All right. Checking this map fragment, it seems to indicate there are two exits. Would anybody like to make a perception check? Lorzach will. 23. Lorzach rolls a 15. You see a big, giant cavern of bones. And by cavern of bones, I mean like Scrooge McDuck vault full of bones. As in, in order to go anywhere, you gotta climb some hills of bones. How far is your dark vision? 120 feet. At the moment, you cannot see the far side of the room. Uh, Lorzach is going to, as carefully as he can, pick his way forward to at least survey the rest of the room. Parix will stay relatively close behind him. Everybody going in? Yeah. Yep. yep. As you guys begin climbing sure. over bones, can I get a dexterity saving throw? We got an aura, friends. Nat 20. Hey. Dirty 20. 19. 20. 15. You guys feel the entire room begins to tremor and shake, and the bones begin to shift, and Perix falls down, shifting to the back of the marching order. So, was it Scrooge McDuff level mounds of bones, or were was it a nice thick layer of bones on top of uh, a monster? Whatever it is, it's difficult terrain. Eric's calls. So, Lauren, can you drop one back so that I can still get your aura? No. <sighs> no. <laughs> keep up. I'm faster than you. Uh, Lord Zatch will keep picking his way forward any closer to seeing the far end of this chamber. So, as you continue to progress forward, you still cannot see the far side. Perix has the option to overtake Fakara in turn order, if he would prefer. No, he's not going to wish bad saves on Fakara. He likes Fakara. Dexterity saving throws as the room shifts again. A natural one. <laughs> I rolled a three both times, so ten. 30, 20. 28. Whoa. Uh, 13. So Lauren, and Perix will each take three piercing damage as you stumble onto some spiky bones as the entire room begins to roll. As you progress forward some more, you begin to see that there is a far side dexterity saving throws. Perix. If you manage to not take any damage, you can overtake anyone in the line that you want. 18, I'll stay where I am. Dirty 20. 5. So 10? 21. 10. Don't forget the aura. Thank you. Figara, Xenia, you will take 5 piercing damage as the ground stumbles you and you poke spiny bones. And you look in front of you with what appears to be a large serpentine monster apparently far too big for this room that is coiling and snaking itself through the bones. You said we can see that far side. Do we yeah. see the exits out? Yep. Great. Does it happen to look like a map fragment we have? There are two exits, right or left. We're running right. Sounds yeah. good. Yep, yep. Let's make a break for it. Let's make a dexterity check. Non-natural 20. Perix is figuring it out. 14. 14. 20. 9. 9. If you are sub 10, your next dexterity saving throw is at a disadvantage 
as you guys realize that the room seems to be trying to entrap you as it's coiling around itself. Dexterity saving throw. 22. 19. 17. Nat 20. Hey. 26. Hey, you guys are making it as you progress forward. You are more than halfway across the room as whatever this giant bone snake is continues to encapsulate the room tighter and tighter and tighter. Dexterity checks, please. Natural 20. 16. I rolled a nat 20, but with disadvantage due to exhaustion, it's a 13. Oh, 22 again. Is this the aura? The saving nope. throws the lead. Check. Yeah, it's a six. If you're sub ten, your dexterity saving throw is at a disadvantage. Go! Twenty-one. If you are sub fifteen, you will take five piercing damage as you stumble and stab yourself on some bones. Bone room sucks. You're almost there. This serpentine creature seems to have taken notice of you. Dexterity checks, please. Come on, man. A natural 20. 6. 14. 13. 11. If you are sub 10, your saving throw is at disadvantage. Dexterity saving throws, true believers. 11. 9. 7. 12. 16. If you are sub-15, you will take three piercing damage as spiky bones stab you in your feet. You're almost to the exit, folks. Dexterity checks. 22. 13. 6. 23. 8. If you're sub-10, your saving throw is at disadvantage. Dexterity saving throws. 18. 12. 14. 19. 21. If you are sub-15, you will take two piercing damage as you clamor your way out of this bone pit and realize that you were actually on top of something, diving through the exit to the right or to the left. Right. 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 You've chosen wisely. (laughs) And just as you guys make it out of the room, you happen to throw a cursory glance backwards to realize that what you actually just stepped over was a giant pit. Whatever terrifying monster was down there has gone down, burrowing into a tunnel. There is currently no way back. You're in the dark once again. Moving down this pathway at a slow but dark vision perceptive rate, what, uh, what do we see? It looks like the tunnel that you have selected proceeds forward for at least past your dark vision. Looks like you got another slight hike. Perix will head off down the tunnel carefully, maybe resetting our order to what it was before. It worked well up until Bone Snake Pit. Man, a terrible boning room. No. (laughs) (laughs) You progress for another amount of time as the path hooks to the left and accelerates northward. You enter a large, empty room. Lorzach, at the head of the party, uh, surveys this seemingly empty room. Lorzach, give me a nature check. I will allow you and only you the possibility of maybe figuring this out. It's a nat 20. Oh, buddy. (laughs) This is what I get for being nice. So, all right, I'm going to try and describe this as as best as I can. Basically, this room has been carved out, but it's the direction at which it has been carved out that's that's important to understand. Everything else that you've been encountering while these have been sort of well-worn paths has been naturally occurring. But the reason that this particular area is opened is because it has been carved out from the rock and the earth the starting point being farther up ahead of you. So, at some point in some ancient past, something originating farther down to where you guys are heading was trying to expand the area and was carving out Earth towards the direction you just came from. 
So it is possible that you have reached the extremity of some intelligent being or people's man-made subterranean structure. The end of the room, although it is very long and very narrow, is outside of your dark vision. And Lorzach will continue down this passageway carved by some nameless ancestor however many millennia ago. About halfway through the room, you can see the far wall with your superior dark vision. Is there a path leading out? There is a doorway, a decidedly ancient, carved archway. As you begin to see what could be suspected as the ancient remnants of your people, long-forgotten and archaic-looking carvings that have since been worn away by time, moisture, and the shifting of the earth. But there is decidedly some expression of relief inside of the walls surrounding you. The art relief, not the expression. Lozach will approach and examine the stonework. You can see what looks to be worn away images and carvings of bipedal creatures. The armor is not dissimilar from one you would expect from an ancient people. This is incredibly old, never been maintained. Perhaps you're the first people to ever rediscover it. Although you're getting that uneasy feeling that that's probably not likely. It's very difficult to kind of discern anything that you're seeing because while you might be appropriating images to certain contemporary ideas or aspects about your culture and your people, that would require holding it up to a mirror that could be as old as 10,000 years old. It is undeniable that this is a long-traced past of what the Devkarin very well might have been. Is the door open? This is not a door, this is a, a doorway, an, uh, an archway leading farther in. Uh, Lorzach will pass through the arch. Parrot's right behind. Saloran follows. I'll keep following. You creep down a tunnel that heads to the east, and you notice that unlike boring through earth, this tunnel is only as wide as you would expect a hallway to be. And as if buried under a mountain, you get fractions of exposed stonework to suggest form and structure. And you get the feeling that you are suddenly inside the buried remnants of some constructed building, or perhaps carved out building. And after passing a little ways more, you realize that the turns and shifts are decidedly at 90 degree angles, that they're not sort of born through the earth, that they are turns in a pathway, in a hallway. And then you happen to pop back to the north, the south, east, as you're sort of disorientedly more following the direction of this hallway. And uh, you happen to take another turn down one of these prefabricated hallways, and you can see that up and around the bend, there is a yellowish light. Uh, Lorzach edges closer, quietly. I need a stealth check. Inspiration. You should try that again. Uh, 20. You sneak up and peer around the corner to spy something I can't imagine you would have ever expected to see. And that is what seems to be the exposed and excavated facade of a very large, black cathedral dug out from the rock. There are portals where perhaps there was once windows or airflow. There are stone doors that have remained shut for untold aeons. However, through the cracks and the crumbled, exposed facade, without question, you can tell that there's a light on inside. No one else assembled outside the doors of this ancient cathedral. There are no crews, no drudges, nothing that's performing this excavation. Nope. 
Lorzech will beckon the party closer as he cautiously makes his way towards the door of this cathedral. Stealth checks from everybody. With my crit fail, plus my modifier, it was an 8. 18. 23. 5. 16. You get the distinct impression that before you continue, Perix and Xenia maybe should stay back. They're making a lot of noise. Surprisingly, your two heavy hitters aren't. I'm just as surprised as you are. You creep toward the grand entrance of the cathedral. Unfortunately, the ancient stonework is making it impossible to hear what's inside. However, you very quickly realize that unless you can cleverly find a way to spy what's happening beforehand, any access will require you to shove open a big giant stone portal of indeterminate weight or noise. Well, Lorzach has a way through this. Um, I'm not convinced that we can get everyone else inside. Mm. Unless Perix could bring in a familiar to take a look. Just got to wait a few minutes. Are we in any kind of a rush? So Lauren takes the time to touch himself and heal for 14 HP. Lorzach directs the rest of the party to take cover. And he turns one last time to take a look at this black stone facade. Stretches out his hands, pops a number of joints in his wrists, elbows, and fingers, and sort of collapses into this contorted version of himself as he turns into a very large spider and slinks away into the darkness. And he crawls up the colonnades and around the windows and settles into a shadowy corner and watches and listens. As you peer into this ancient buried cathedral, you can see that the light is several lanterns illuminating some long-forgotten chamber. Frighteningly, this room is littered with zombies, far too many to take on your own. Standing in the center above what looks to be a prostrated altar is a rather tall Devkarin lich. And the first thing that clicks into your brain is there's a bunch of zombies, there's a lich, what do they need the lanterns for? And you realize that somebody else is lying on the table, and the lich seems to be performing something upon that person. And you happen to spy the end of whatever this almost surgical procedure is, and the person sits up. And what you see is a man in his late 50s. His torso appears to be dead and rotted, but his arms and his legs and his head seem to be very well preserved. And you think you can barely spy a shining Selhana charm around the neck, similar to the one owned by Mixel but it's very quickly buried under this human's long, black beard with a single white streak. And he stands up off the table, and he seems to be flexing his limbs and his hands and making sure that everything functions. And he confers with the lich, and things seem to be working well. And then he places his hand on the lich's shoulder, And with a blink, they're gone. On the next Encounter Party! Are you freaking kidding me? He's back? Or did he ever leave to begin with? We're going to need a minute here, party people. See you next time on Encounter Party! Encounter Party is produced by Play Plus One and Charging Moose Media, based on the worlds of Dungeons & Dragons and Magic the Gathering, created by Wizards of the Coast. Original campaign written by Brian David Judkins. Sound capture and original effects by Will Malones. 
Edit and mixing by Ned Donovan and Katie Brow. Theme song and additional music by Alexander Nakarada of Serpent Sound Studios. Additional music by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech. Special thanks to Megan Judkins and Will Malones. Imagine that you wake up in the finest sheets that you've ever felt, surrounded by gold trim and your every desire waited on. All it takes is one little promise to the Orzov Syndicate. This is Saloran Trent coming at you from Encounter Party. Be sure to rate, subscribe on any podcast platform that you follow, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook group. And for news and updates, go to EncounterParty.com. The contract is waiting.